Have you ever felt like there's this constant narrative going on in your brain that everything defaults to the negative? And not just that, that anytime something happens, your mind instantly goes to the drama. If you've experienced these battles in your mind, then listen up. On today's episode, my guest is going to answer the question, how can we shift our mindset and our identity so that we can get past all of this mind drama and focus on the good stuff in life? My guest today is Dania Douglas Hunt. Dania helps entrepreneurs and leaders unlock their next level identity, expand their wealth consciousness, and shift their paradigm. She is a mentor. She's the host of the Play Bigger podcast. She's a speaker. She's a former Olympic therapist, and she's been featured on multiple platforms such as MSNBC, NBC, and CBS. She is a Yes Supply Certified Neuro-Linguistic Programming Practitioner. She's a Life and Success Coach, Time Techniques Practitioner, Clinical Hypnotherapist, and an Emotional Freedom Techniques Facilitator. She is Reiki Level 1 and 2 and is currently studying RRT under Dr. John Connolly. Dania is one of my fabulous coaches in James Wedmore's Next Level Community. And P.S., if you normally listen to this podcast on 1.2 speed, you're going to want to drop it down to regular speed today because we go fast and furious and you are going to want to listen to every single word. So let's get started. Get ready to experience gratitude for every aspect of your life when you're facing health challenges and in a way that you never thought possible. Welcome to Gratitude Builds Fortitude, the podcast where we optimize gratitude and mindset to create a healthy, thriving body. It's time to say no to that list of three things and yes to gratitude on your own terms. I'm your host, Holly Bertone. I'm a breast cancer and autoimmune survivor turned certified natural health coach. And my mission is to help you optimize gratitude and mindset so that you can transform your overall health and wellness because you deserve love, happiness, and laughter. Dania Douglas Hunt, welcome to the Gratitude Builds Fortitude podcast. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for having me. I'm pumped to be here to connect with you, to have good conversations, and hopefully create some shifts and insights for your audience. Yeah. And I know I just read your official bio, but I'm excited about a few things. Number one, you are one of the amazing coaches in uh, James Wedmore's Next Level community. So I've gotten to know you there. And I was totally laughing at one of your Instagram reels the other day. And you guys, after you listen to this interview, go follow Dania on Instagram because her reels are just so awesome. She does not hold back, but it was something about with your friendships, like you're always oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you can't try to get away with anything <laughs> in the friend zone. It is always, you're always going to call you out. And I was like, yeah, I was a recipient of that, <laughs> but I love the authenticity of yeah. like, you are who you are and mm-hmm. you take everything with mindset with you everywhere to everyone you touch. And I absolutely love that about you. Thank you. Yeah. I think for me, I really, I just don't want to see anyone suffer or anyone settle or anyone be in pain. And of course, this is where I study this is my expertise. And so when people say words, oftentimes it's not even what they say, it's how they say it. So when I meet someone, I can see the front that most people see, but I also really like see who they are and their energy and the person behind them. So the real was referring to like, if we're going to be friends, like I'm not going to be the friend that's going to like complain with you or like, oh yeah, this person sucked or no, I'm going to be the friend that's going to pull you up out of it. And 
like remind you of who you are and really shift you so that you're in your most empowered state. And if there's anything holding you back from truly living your life on fire and aligned and happy and fulfilled, I'm not going to be the friend that's just like complaining with you. I will empathize. I love you. But how I show my love is just, I want you to live your most aligned life. And most often it's just easy. Like you think about what 90% of people do, complain, victim mindset, scarcity, and that's fine. But is that helping you? No. So my friends though, and this is the only friends I have in my life too, that called me on my crap and also help me see my blind spots and help me move through things versus just like, oh yeah, screw this person or oh no, you know? So it comes with love. I'm not gonna let you settle or suffer. And I absolutely love that about you. And I'm also finding my friend zone is getting tighter and tighter these days. So yeah, I think it's really important with who you surround yourself with. So I wanna get into your story really quick because you had a really big pivot in your life. But as I, yeah, yeah. So as I shared on the introduction, you used to work with Olympic athletes yeah. and having dated one many, many years ago, they're just a whole different breed of human beings. Mm -hmm. So before you get into the story, I have to ask you what sets apart an Olympian from everyone else? Not to put you on this spot or anything. No, just, I love this. Like ask me anything. What's ironic is I say I, I work with the Olympians of entrepreneurship because I work with high level entrepreneurs and an Olympic athlete and entrepreneur at that high level is the same person. They're just playing a different game, but really it's their identity, their qualities, their beliefs. Sure. They all work their butts off. Work ethic's not even a question, just like for a high level entrepreneur. And in both avenues, in both games, really the Olympic athlete were managing, not holding them back, but having them flirt with that fine line. So they're not getting injured, right? Playing their best. With entrepreneurs working hard usually is worn as a badge of honor, but it's like really leading to burnout. And it's not coming from a really good intention place. It's coming from maybe scarcity or fear or whatever, but they are a different person. They are the 1% of the 1%. And so I love working with that person who is a high achiever, who is you don't have to question work ethic. You don't have to question those things. You're helping navigate them through that stuff so that they don't burn out and don't end up getting injured. And so entrepreneurs and, and other athletes too, tell me if I'm answering what you wanted to hear, just because I can go on tangents on both these things. But they're really the same quality, same person, same characteristics. It's just one's physical and one's now usually more in the online space. So, but really like, of course they have physical capabilities and gifts, but that's crafted after years and years and years. Like they stay in the game. They're consistent. They don't quit when things get hard. You know, they push through, they overcome injuries, they overcome everything. And what I will say is what separates those who are successful in terms of making Olympic teams or meddling or et cetera is truly how they master their mind. That's what separates those from making teams. Those that separates those from getting medals. Cause at that level, everyone has the best access to resources, strategies, teams, athletic therapy, nutrition, psychology. They have access to all of that. But when it comes back to anything, just like anything in life, it's how you manage you, your mind, where you place your attention. How do you work through stress after having an injury? Let's say you blow out your shoulder, but you got to get back in the swimming pool. How do you now trust your shoulder and still be able to perform without having to worry about that? So truly what separates, I would say, Olympic athletes from regular athletes is how they manage their mind and their headspace, how quickly they overcome stuff. And it's the same as entrepreneurs, right? Like they literally failed launch, which doesn't exist. But if we have to put in the category of failed launch or pivots or business partners, leaving our team members, whatever, it's like, how fast can you have an event happen and respond to it versus react and keep moving forward? Yeah. And you actually touched on a little bit of this in, I think it was episode 31 of your Play Bigger podcast, which mm-hmm. I absolutely mm-hmm. love talking about that 1% edge. So if you're listening to this, 
interview and you love this interview, you want to hear more of Dania, go check out that podcast episode. So yeah. So why don't you share a little bit about your backstory and some of the pivots that you've had? I've had some, I've had some good pivots. <laughs> yeah. So I, like, you know, I worked with athletes and then over time, there's just something kind of pulling me to do something different. I love the athletes. The environment's different. It's not what you see on the TV. It's There's a lot behind the scenes. I always refer to that journey for me as the big leap by Gay Hendricks. I read that book after I went through it and I recommend it to anyone who's in a pivot or questioning things or like, eh. and so sport to me was in the book considered my zone of excellence. And it was something you're really good at, highly skilled, you get paid well, et cetera. But there's something missing or you wouldn't want to be doing it all day long every day. It's not always energizing you. And so naturally I wanted to help more people. So I started leaving sport full-time to part-time. And then I did private practice in between as I was trying to grow my business online, to help more people. I'm like, yo, what I teach here, I can teach other people to get out of pain, to move their bodies, have more physical autonomy. So I went down that journey and then I actually realized I joined James's program and I witnessed coaching and I was like, what is this? How do you do that? What's going on here? And I just got so intrigued by attending coaching calls and watching the coaches like navigate the mind drama, the stress. And so James put up a coaching post and then I applied to become one of his coaches several years ago. And I just fell in love with it. I didn't know this world existed. And here's the ironic thing though. I've actually been doing this type of work in Olympic space. Cause like I said, when you get injured, the rehab plan, I create the strength training program, I create, you just follow the plan, but helping the athlete navigate the stress, the fear, the pressure, that's the one thing that's going to stop someone from moving forward is their own mind and their own body. So I recognize I'm like, actually, I've done this work over a decade. I just didn't call it something and I didn't know you could do it in this way. And so, yeah, I pivoted from my career where I spent tens of thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of hours training, passing board exams, passing crazy interviews to literally James said, well, if this was really successful in the way you wanted it to be and online, and this other thing that I couldn't even name, Holly, I didn't even know what it was called. I'm like, I don't know. I just love this thing. Like, I love this coaching. What is this? He asked me that question. And essentially, I just knew right there on the spot that I was like, oh, crap. I'm leaving everything I know to venture to something I have no idea what it is. Like, how do you even navigate this? There's no degree. There's no this. It's like, what is this world? And through that transition, why I bring it up is I had to go through a couple of major identity shifts. One here I was, this ego, the accolades, Olympic therapist to Dania. And I saw myself as like this little weenie thing. Like I had to shift my identity of that. And people got angry. People got mad. I get it. I understand why. It's like, what do you mean you're doing all this stuff? And it was coming from a place of love, but it came through as like anger and fear and scarcity. And like, you're crazy. And I just had to trust the intuition of like where it was guiding me. And then the other thing that came through that pivot was switching from an employee to an entrepreneur mindset. And how I like to explain this is there's nothing wrong with either. However, if you're an employee, you cannot play the same game as entrepreneurs. If you think of it like this, let's say entrepreneur is a game of basketball and being an employee is a game of soccer. Both are games. Nothing's right or wrong. One's not better than the other, unless you're sports fans and you argue that. But you can't play the rules of basketball when the rules of soccer. And so what held me back in the beginning was my own stuff, my own fear. What are people going to think? The natural scarcity of like, I just had a salary and I'm like creating my own income. I knew how I was in this world because I spent like a ton of time crafting it and then who I am in this world. So there was a lot of identity shifts, a lot of mindset shifts, a lot of things that really helped me navigate that pivot. That was one big pivot in life. But also it's just having the courage to challenge my thinking. Why am I doing this? Do I want to do this? Is this my dream or is this someone else's dream? 
And then when you have the answers, having the courage to act on the answers. And I did and I pivoted and it's like, I've never been more fulfilled. And guess what? I'm open to pivoting again. If something comes down the road and it's like this, then I'll go down that path. But getting space to get quiet, challenge your thinking, ask your intentions of why we're doing what we're doing. And then as you listen to the intuition, that's not stuck in the fear brain, but you're just like, you're clear and you're free, then taking action towards that. And it's led me to incredible journeys, opportunities, friendships, meeting people like you, like none of this would have happened had I stayed stuck in my fear and scarcity versus trusting my intuition and taking aligned action. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Holly here. And if you've been feeling burned out, stressed out, and weighed down, and if the thought of another diet or workout plan is creating even more stress, I'd like to offer you a different solution. You see, we think that getting healthy means going on some crazy diet or restrictive protocol or even spending hours in the gym. And I'm here to tell you, it's not about losing weight. It's about losing the weight of the world on your shoulders. So rather than having you try to figure this out for yourself, I've put together a five-episode private podcast training series to help you get started with your very own comeback experience. The private podcast training series, it's totally free, and I'm doing something that I have never done before. In episode five, you're going to walk away with an assessment to determine your health as it relates to energy levels, sleep, metabolic health, and weight. And when you submit your assessment, you can schedule a free coaching session with me to personally review your results, and I will help you to develop your game plan going forward. Totally free, no strings attached. And I'm not sure how long I'm going to offer this complimentary and personalized coaching for you. So go to podcastholly.com. That's podcastholly.com to download this series. It's totally free. And then make sure you submit your assessment for your complimentary and personalized health review and game plan. I'll see you over at podcastholly.com. I absolutely love that. And, you know, and especially coming from my background and my journey and all of the pivots between you know, my health and my business and my divorce and everything, it's easy to look at it as, oh my goodness, it's such a, you know, brand new thing, but it's Mm -hmm. really not. It's just a new chapter. It's just a new page. It's it's building on everything that you have and taking all of those skills and just saying, okay, well, it's not this way, but it's this way. And, you know, the other way you're talking about the game, the way that I started to look at this was, you can either play to win or you could play not to lose. Yes. And I fell in love with that kind of concept. I mean, I played field hockey and raced mountain bikes. And so I really fell in love with that. But I was like, you know what? It's no, I'm going to own the team. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think it just elevates it to a whole different level. It absolutely does. And when we recognize that our perspective of something or our definition of something defines our experience of it. And so we can look at things that happen in life as horrible, as bad, and that's going to lace our experience and moving forward from that. Everything in life is just an event. It's neutral. And it's based on my interpretations, my past experience, my past programming, my beliefs, identity, how I define that event, good or bad, big or small. It's just an event that has happened and transpired. And it's like, okay, now how do I move forward from this event? I like to call them plot twists. There's a lot of plot twists that happen this summer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think most people in my studio would be like freaking out and being like, 
in crazy fear, like, wow, like literally I felt like I was sitting in the yoga position and there's bombs going off everywhere. But that same experience, I can be riddled with fear or panic or worry or like go down a nasty domino cave, or I can just see things for what they are. Okay. Plot twist. Okay. This is a new experience. Do I have to like it? No. Do I have to enjoy it? No. But being in a fear or that disempowered state or defining it as something as limitation, bad event, et cetera, now it's going to create my experience of that. And is that going to be useful for moving forward? No. So where can I gain contrast? Where can I gain clarity? Where can I know that no matter what I do, I trust myself? I always end up figuring it out. Maybe not how I want, but how is best for me. If I look back on like all the hard things, again, hard, I'm using loosely in quotations because it's just an event that's labeled as that experience. Most of us can recognize when we've gone through stuff that that actually made me learn stuff about myself I never would have learned. That opened up doors or opportunities or pivots that I never would have taken. And again, I don't have to like something. I don't have to want to experience that. But if some events happened, how can I move forward in the most empowered way, the most useful way for me, where I'm looking for lessons, the clarity, the contrast, the growth, and using that. So an event, okay, it's fun to look at it like a plot twist. Where is this going to take me? Cool. I'm at the driver's seat of where everything's go. I can't control what's going to happen. And I can look at even life. Is life happening to me or for me? That perspective can massively change your experience of anything you have in life. Do we have to take it on? No. Some people are like, this is Pollyanna. When you get into the neuroscience of it, though, and if you link into universal laws or whatever, you actually recognize the power of changing your neuroscience around that. You are much more in a better position to create different outcomes from that place versus going to fear, scarcity, like victim mindset, whatever. That does nothing for you. You just shut down your brain. Your brain's not looking for fight or flight you're cutting your resources off that are actually going to help you get out of the situation. And you know what I was thinking too, is when we have that stuff happen, you know, you're talking about the mind drama. It is Mm. so easy to take this and go to that place. And I think especially in today's society, it's so easy to just instantly go there. And and I talk about fortitude and resilience all of Mm. the time. But yeah. that's where that comes in is to build that mental resilience, to build the myelons connections in your brain, yes. to switch that neurochemistry in your brain, to build that level of resilience and fortitude so that the next time, not just for this time, but the next time that storm happens, the next yeah. time that gets swirled up, that you don't jump into that emotional freak out that yeah. you're like, okay, we're cool. And you do go right to that plot twist, like you say. Yeah. The only thing we truly have control over is ourselves, not our thoughts, but what thoughts we hold on to, where we place our attention, our actions, our state. And when anything external can disrupt that, we're in a position of not being in power. Like it's, you're like puppet strings, where if something's going well, you're happy. Something's hitting the fan, you're bad, like launching or health or events that happen in life. And so it's like, where is it most useful for me to be in my power? And the only thing I can manage is me. So I want to learn how to master and understand what's going on, not to be gaslighting and like not having feelings, not to just be Pollyanna, but recognizing when I go into those, we would label them as disempowered states, stress, anxiety, fear, worry, et cetera. And like you said, events happen, horrible events happen. And you would have every right. Everyone would be like, that's absolutely normal for you to be more in that victim mindset or be angry or whatever. And then we can say, okay, is that useful for me? Is that helping me or is that still now, now the events happen, but now I'm perpetuating it by suffering even more because I'm now taking it forward. And so looking at what happens as well, just real quick to the brain, whenever I go in stress or fear or anxiety or pressure or anger, or if I can think a thought that triggers guilt or shame that happened in the past, or I think a thought and now I go into worry about the future, 
recognize your subconscious mind doesn't know it's real or not real. And it's perceiving a threat. It's perceiving a lion. Now, most things that we have in life are not lions, right? They're like increasing our prices or the car breaks down or something. Like they're not actual true lions that are going to kill us. I have friends who've gone through near-death experiences they should have died. They have every right to be in that place of like angry, upset, why me? You have every right. Is that serving you though? Is it useful for you? Is that now just impacting everything you're doing moving forward? So what's happening is our brain shuts down, goes into fight or flight, and our legs get strong and our jaw gets strong. Great. What person wants strong legs and a strong jaw? I don't know anything that's useful because our nervous system and our subconscious mind was designed. It's archaic for the jungle. It works really well for animals. It turns on when it needs to. It turns off when it's no longer useful. But humans, we have the sophisticated mind, the conscious mind, what creates buildings and experiences and like this cup and these clothes, like that's the conscious mind creating that. But that's what really separates us. And that though can cause rumination and cause those thoughts to happen that triggers the same fight or flight response. And our subconscious brain goes, there's a lion, run and shuts down. And on the flip side, what's happening is one system kicks up because I know you're a huge health advocate. As our fight or flight system kicks up, now we're running or biting something really hard. Simple terms, that's what's going on. The aspects of ourselves that would actually help us out of the situations or tap into our creativity or intuition our seeing possibilities, healing, restoration, our parasympathetic system gets shut down. And most of us are operating in low-level fight or flight all the time. So even the people who've got good results or like things are going well, I like to say like you're probably operating at like 50 or 6% capacity. Because if you have anything that's causing you to go back to the past, worry about the future, any sort of mind drama, emotional turmoil, your brain, subconscious brain thinks there's a lion. So great. Fight or flight system kicks on, parasympathetic shuts down, your solutions, intuition, everything that would help you get out of situation or expand your situation, you don't even have access to. It's like at half capacity. So you recognize, okay, events happen. I can define this event however I want. I can put meaning to this event however I want. I can choose to look at it however I want. What is more useful for me moving forward? What gets me back in my power and keeps my mind open versus shutting myself down and causing health and stuff to get impacted as well? So how do we get past the mindset blocks when this happens? Yeah. So I always say if we are looping, like this is usually what it says, I consciously want this, but I consciously know this, but I've done the work. I do the affirmations. I do the journaling. I've done the therapy. I've done this, 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 this. And there's still not a shift happening. The thought keeps coming up for us, or there's still the emotional turmoil that happens, the physiological response. It just means we haven't got to the root of what's causing your subconscious mind to try and get you to do something or not do something. Recognize a couple of things. One, your subconscious mind's main job, which runs everything, breathing, heart rate, it's a supercomputer, but it's designed for jungle. Its first job is survival. Its first job is keep you alive. Its job is not to be happy for growth and for those things. So when we first recognize that, no wonder we have, first of all, over 80,000 thoughts a day, subconsciously. Most of them are negative because they're looking for threats. What's a threat? And looking at my environment and having 4 billion bits of information coming at me, filtering through my past experiences, my beliefs, my identity, and my values that were programmed and learned. You didn't choose them. It happened from a young age and your experiences shaped them. It's now filtering out. And wherever I'm placing my conscious attention, my RAS system, my reticular activating system is now showing me more evidence for that. So if I'm focusing on people are mean, rich people are greedy, F this, your brain's going to filter out everything else that's around you to show you what you're placing your attention on and what your internal filters are. So just even knowing that, how can I shift my attention to where I'm placing that? Can I change my language so that my brain now, if I do it enough times over and over again, 
it's going to say, oh, you must need this to survive. So I'm just going to run on autopilot, right? It's always looking from a, a sense of survival and threat versus happy growth. And this is why what you do with fortitude, gratitude, placing your attention, what you want to see, what you want to experience, because your brain is filtering out 99% of reality to show you the 1%. How can I hack that? And then recognizing too, that you have the power to switch and change those filters. So if there's something that keeps coming up for you, the thought, mind drama, physiology, you can of course do subconscious programming because your brain then creates emotions and sensations within you to get you to do something or don't do something. That's all emotions and sensations are, is get you to take action or stop. So if I can have a thought and it triggers a response, my subconscious mind just look at it as if it's trying to get you to do something or not do something based on survival, based on not dying. Even though you know, I know I'm not going to die if I increase my price, or I know I'm not going to die if I, I create this new health habit. Until you've normalized it where your subconscious mind's on board and there's no resistance, there's no things, that's just an indication that your subconscious mind still sees that as a threat. And so until we, that becomes normal and safe to the brain, it will always end up repeating patterns, plateaus, things that we're like, I just need more willpower discipline. You don't. You just need to get your subconscious mind that speaks a different language in your subconscious mind on board to see that now is safe and normal. And now it's going to run that program for you versus a line and a threat. You had actually talked on your podcast about this very topic. And again, it's the Play Bigger podcast with Dania about how you tune into a radio station and oh, yeah. that's your favorite radio station and you're tuning in, yeah. but all of the other radio stations, they're still playing, mm -hmm. you know? So, and it's just a matter of switching that radio station that you want to tune into. Yeah. Well, when you recognize like our subconscious mind is so powerful, it's just most of us aren't aware of it or how it's programmed. It's programmed the things that we learned that we didn't choose. I always say most business owners operate their business from a five-year-old brain. That's not fun to hear. Yeah. That's true. Unless, yeah. unless you start to uncover what are the patterns. I was going to say most of us evolve? on a daily basis operate yeah. with a five-year-old brain. Absolutely. Because again, we're not taught this. We're not aware of how our mind works. So then, then we start asking things like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I just work harder? Nothing to do with that. Recognizing a couple of things. What actually creates results in our life is an action and strategies is part of it, but it's not the driver of it. And so what you brought up, and I'll loop this back and connect them. What you brought up was a concept that I talked about in quantum physics. Every timeline exists right now. Everything is existing in this moment. The quantum physics shows us this. But what we tune into and observe is what we're experiencing. So the radio station thing, when I tune into a radio station and choose 103.5, and I hear my favorite song. Amazing. What's your favorite song? Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, I just found a new one. Um, there's a song. Okay. <laughs> it depends what mood you're in. But my favorite song, I just found it's called Rhyme Dust. If you want like a song with a beat to like okay. run away to, I just found it. It's fun. I like all types of music though. So it's like, I could listen to like Frank Sinatra or like EDM, but this morning I was listening to Rhyme Dust. Anyways, so as you're doing that, recognize that you're observing something, you're placing your attention consciously on that radio station. And just like you said, does that mean that every other radio station out there that's playing music is not happening? No. So it's helping us conceptualize the quantum physics where it's like every time it exists at every given point, but what you observe, look up the observer effect, what you place your attention on is what you're going to experience. Most of us are placing our attention on things that are not useful and taking us out of our power. And it's not like Pollyanna, gaslight, be positive. It's not that. It's recognizing how does the brain work? How do I hack it to work for myself? So I actually see things that are happening right in front of me, but my brain's filtered out because it's not valuable to my brain and my brain doesn't think I need to see it. 
And then we go back to looking at results in anything. Okay. So law of cause and effect. Any result in your life is what we have in our existence reality right now. So my bank account, my health, that's a result. Me wearing this pink shirt is a result. What created this result or this effect, right, is my, maybe I went to my wardrobe, I looked at the weather, I was like, I don't know how I kind of feel this way. So it's an amalgamation of thinking, filtering through my own stuff that created me to be sitting here with you right now with this pink shirt. So that's the effect of a cause. Every result, every effect has a cause behind it. Most of us think that the cause is the action we take, the strategies, the hard work, the behaviors. That is absolutely uh, a factor of it. That's absolutely valuable. It's necessary. However, that's only the first processor from the results. What comes before an action, behavior, or a strategy is our state. Why? When I feel really empowered and confident and bold, I take very different actions and behaviors that get me very different results. When I feel like poop, I'm doubting myself, I'm in fear, I'm procrastinating, et cetera, guess what happens? I take or don't take certain actions, which get me results or don't get me results. Well, then what comes before our state? Our thoughts. What mirror our state very closely? We have, like I said, 80,000 thoughts a day, plus that's what neuroscience says. Most of them are on repeat from the day before. Great. And most are negative. Not because you're negative, but because your brain's looking for threats. So it's like, what's going to kill me? What's going to kill me? That's what your subconscious mind is doing all the time. Like 80% negative, 20% positive, something like that. 80 or 90% negative. And then it's like, nothing's wrong with you. This is the operating system. We're wired for survival. Exactly. So you recognize that the thoughts precede our state, which precedes our action behaviors results. But then what creates the thoughts? And this is where it comes back to like consciousness, subconscious mind, our identity, the identity of someone who thinks money is abundant and it's energy and it's a tool and it's fun, has very different beliefs about money which has very different thoughts, which has very different feelings, state, different actions, different results versus someone who's like, money is hard. It's difficult. Rich people are greedy, whatever. Again, you're cascading a very different result and experience. The effect is from that cause. So our subconscious mind, our identity, beliefs, our values, our past experiences that we've either cleared and told our brain, hey, they're not happening anymore. You don't need to put energy there. Once we do that, we recognize that the cause of every effect and result in our life, in our current reality, is us. That's where it starts. And so the question I'd love to ask is, before you take an action or behavior, what's the intention behind this? Most people are doing it from a place of fear or scarcity or trying to prove themselves. They won't say that, but it's if I have a belief deep down, which most people, by the way, do, it's based on moralistic thinking and programming, society of not being good enough, or not being worthy. So if I have an inherent belief, which most do at the root of things, again, if we look back to the cause, the subconscious, if I have a belief that I'm not good enough, whether I think it consciously or not, that's going to drastically change the results I have. That same energy of not being good enough is going to end up showing up in my results. And oftentimes we're doing things from the place of proving myself, or if I get this, then I'll be good enough, or then I'll be happy. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The action and behavior strategy is the last thing to come right before the results. We clear up everything before, get that aligned from a place of power, usefulness, your results drastically change. Your business quantum leaps, your health quantum leaps. And it's first stemming from understanding a bit of how the mind works and then how to start shifting that moving forward. And I think so many of us make the mistake of thinking it's all about the action and it's all about willpower and it's all about the doing. So you brought up money, which I really want to get into. And I know this is one of your favorite topics. <laughs> you know, we're in a place right now in the world where there's a lot going on and there's a lot of scarcity and a lot of fear and all the things, regardless of what you do or your situation or anything like that. So yeah, yeah, let's talk some more about 
money mindset and how this all fits in and how we can get from that place of being in that scarcity to actually viewing money a little differently. Yeah. And I love how you say viewing because remember it is our perception. It is our definition of something that creates our experience of it. So this comes back to what we talked about, no matter what's happening externally. Right now, most people probably are seeing, oh my God, scarcity and things are changing. And looking again, putting their reticular acne system and their brain to look for like the threat, what's going wrong, survival. And it's being heightened right now. There's a lot of shifting and changing. However, there's also a lot of people who are thriving, who are building multi-million dollar businesses, who are seeing this as a good thing, as a reset, as change. And so who's right? Well, doesn't matter even who is right. But again, is it useful for me to have a certain perspective of something? Or can I look to what's more useful for me in terms of how I move forward in a more empowering way? And so I love money because yes, there were entrepreneurs with money. It never has anything to do with money, by the way. Money's energy, it's a tangible thing, whatever. But in this world, in the 3D world, we require money to pay our bills, pay our team, buy clothes, right? However, there's still going to be some sort of relationship interaction with money. Most of what we do or don't do in life is because of our relationship with money. How much it costs, I can hire the person or I'm building this business to make more money so I can pay for my kids' college and like create vacations and stuff. So most of what we do, our relationship with money in this world, and involves with most aspects of our life. So I love working with entrepreneurs because if I can shift relationship with money, instead of it being the driver, whether it's subconsciously or not, of our decisions, of our uh, lack of experiencing certain things, and I can shift that for you so that it's just a natural byproduct and it's easy and flowing. And no matter what's happening, banks are closing, whatever, you're good. And you're not allowing the external to dictate how you feel or decisions that you make. So it's first recognizing that we have different beliefs about money. We can go through uncovering even certain beliefs, starting to get awareness of money. The first easiest thing is looking at your bank account right now. That's a big indication of not the indication, but it's an indication again of the cause, which is you, which is our identity, our beliefs, our values. What we learned about money is kind of now in this effect, this cause. However, I know people who make millions of dollars. I also was in a mastermind. They shared an example of like, everyone needs money mindset because he's like, I've got a friend who has a hundred million dollars liquid cash. Conceptualize that for a sec. Recognize if that triggers you like, oh, angry or like recognize if it's like, that's a lot of money. Your perception is going to be your experience of it. It just shows an indication of where your current level of beliefs about money are or your relationship with money is. And so he was saying how he had a friend who's got $100 million cash and still has a fear about money and fear about supplying for his kids. And everyone's like, are you crazy? Like you've got more money than anyone will see in a lifetime. That doesn't matter. His belief and perception of money and his relationship with it. So guess what? Do you think that entrepreneur is still living and enjoying his life? Yes. But is it laced with a bunch of scarcity and fear and worry? And maybe his actions are probably coming from that place and now he's burning out, just trying to keep going, even though to 99.9% of the world, he said, yeah. But again, it doesn't matter the external. It's like, what's my relationship with money? So I always like to start uncovering just some general beliefs. Like we have general beliefs, we have specific beliefs. We can begin to start uncovering by looking at our results and how we feel about those results, what are our thoughts about it? Or just starting to ask questions like, Fill in the blank. If you hear money is, what's the first thing that comes up for you? For me, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, right? It, for me, it didn't used to be that. It was like, money is hard work and money is this. I had to do work on that to shift my perspective. Because again, whatever you believe to be true, your brain's going to find evidence for. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. If you've put enough attention on it, you think it or don't uncover it, your brain is just finding evidence for that. whatever you see. It's just, it's, the job is to try and prove you right. So where do we get our money beliefs from? We've learned them and we can think back to what was it like being at home 
A lot of us experience parents fighting, hoarding, spending. Lots of people experience really good things. They're not appreciating it. So recognizing that you learned all these things, you didn't choose them. Are they useful for you moving forward or not? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. Who cares if it's right? Because it could be right for you, not right for me. It doesn't matter. It's Is this useful for me or not? So we look back on our, how we grew up. What did we observe? What did we hear? What did we see? We can start asking questions like rich people are. What's the first thing that comes up for you when I say rich people are, Holly? Um, rich. <laughs> mm. So it, I used to say rich people are greedy. It just is. It's a normal. It's just, yeah, it's not yeah. positive or negative. It's just neutral. Most people I've heard working with people, rich people are greedy, rich people are bad, rich people are evil. Yeah. Great. So if you think subconsciously that rich people are evil, do you think you're going to want to be perceived as evil? Right. No. So she's like, no wonder I'm hitting plateaus. Does she actually think that? No. But if, if it's the first sense that comes up for us, there's some sort of programming there or belief that hasn't been again, shifted or reprogrammed. And so when we recognize that this drives everything, our actions and behaviors, again, we want to start uncovering what is my definition? How do I feel about certain things? Health, money, love, uh, business, possibilities, myself. And just starting with the awareness piece first can start to uncover and even untangle the starting point of reshifting and programming that stuff. Well, and it's interesting that you brought this up. And I was thinking about when, you know, just going through my divorce, you know, first of all, going from me making, you know, a ton of money to starting my own business, like getting out of corporate and starting my own business and building that up and then having a husband support me to being totally on my own. And, you know, in addition to all of the money mindset stuff and meditations and mental stuff and all the things, one of the first things I did when I moved, and I'd love to get your opinion on this, I put a $100 bill with my utensil tray. So where the forks and the knives and the spoon. So every time I opened up to get a fork or a knife or a spoon, there was a hundred dollars. Like this is a normal everyday thing because I didn't want to be in that scarcity mode. I wanted to be like, okay, money is just normal, even though I'm on my own. Yeah. I love that. It's normalizing that money's everywhere. Yeah. And even as we say these things, if you're listening, it's like money's not everywhere. Just notice and observe the thoughts that are coming up as we're speaking, because it is a shift in perspective. But when you recognize a shift in the belief perspective has a very different result and effect, and it's going to help me navigate the times where same thing. I split up with my, I was with someone for eight years. We we're engaged. I called off my engagement. Everything in life reset. My business was pivoting. I didn't know where I was going to live. I didn't have a consistent big income coming in like I used to. Like I literally was like everything I say, friends reset, family dynamics shifted. Like it was like a massive one. You like dark night of the soul. And because I was able to understand, okay, there's a lot of change happening right now. My brain is going to naturally freak out my mind drama. That's okay. Then I have the tools to help manage that to help me stay and process through what I needed to uncover the stuff that wasn't serving me, find patterns, et cetera, like especially in relationships. However, I was able to navigate arguably the most chaotic time, the most stressful time, the hardest time in my life with ease and elegance. And it's that aspect of this is what the power of mindset, subconscious programming, and nervous system regulation does for you during the hardest times and also the best times. Again, in quotations, because it's, it's just events. What's going to be more useful for me moving forward? And so I did similar things. Like I would normalize stuff. I already knew my success was inevitable. I knew money was coming through. Money to me, I see it as energy. It's everywhere. Like literally, this mug is money. The clothes are money. Like it's everywhere. So how I choose to see something is going to be my experience of it. Could I have had every reason to go into fear and scarcity and freak out? Yeah. And I did. I had moments. I'm not a robot. I had a lot of moments of like, what the heck? However, I didn't allow myself to stay there. I would shift as much as I could out of that. 
because I wanted to see what I wanted to see. And I wanted my relationship with money and everything to change and move forward, to be useful for me, to help my brain stay open and see the solutions and possibilities and tap into my intuition to guide me to the aligned action versus shutting down fight or flight, fear, stress, health, freaking out, you know, all that stuff. So what you've done is you just normalize that to your brain. And this is what we need to get to do. But when you think of your goals, no matter what they are, your desires, unless they feel normal to you, if they don't, if there's, oh, they feel big, they feel undeserving, they feel like it's it's so far out there, they feel stressful or like anything, any mind drum or any energy physiology in the body that comes up when you think of your goals and desires, that is more in what we label like the disempowered state, is just showing you that your subconscious mind doesn't see that as normal yet. And guess what? If it doesn't know it's normal, it's going to see it as a lion, no matter how consciously good it is. Oh, health habit. Change to the brain is a threat. It sees change as a lion. Just remember that moving forward. So the mind drama and the physiology is just showing you, hey, cool, there must be a lion that my brain is perceiving as a threat. Now I can see that as a sign of growth. I can see even just that, that event of like, oh, there's energy in my body. I like to say this really quickly. Elton John did an interview where he was sharing that before he goes on stage, he waits to feel the butterflies in his body. Because to him, that's a signal, I'm ready. My body's ready to perform. How would 99% of the world see or experience before stepping on a big stage, the nerves and butterflies? Yeah. Stress, anxiety, what's wrong with me? Yet he's shifted it to say, this is a signal, I'm ready to go. Let's go, baby. That's awesome. And now how does that change his result and effects moving forward? Massively. So we're just recognizing that here's how the brain works. How can I have it work for me? What is the mind drama and energy happening? Great. It's a signal that there must be something I'm perceiving as a threat. I can uncover that. It's a sign of change, a sign of growth. As entrepreneurs, we want to grow. Exciting. So can I change that? Events that happen in life. Can I see them as plot twists? Kids is an experience. What am I going to learn? What clarity, what contrast? Again, keeping my mind open, being more useful to be moving forward, accessing all my resources versus shutting down. Um, and then recognizing that anything that causes that is either something that our brain's still trying to get us to do or not do, or my brain still doesn't see as safe yet and still sees it as a threat. So how do I normalize the health habit? How do I normalize the business, the goals, the 100K months, or whatever that is, so that my brain doesn't try and take me out, aka self-sabotage, doing its job to protect me from this scary lion? And that's really what it comes down to is what doesn't feel normal? So for you taking money, it's like, yeah, money's everywhere. Yeah, and then you're training your brain to see it and look for it and show you more of it. Beautiful. Okay. Now that you said that, I think I'm going to put dollars everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. I have, yeah, I never used to carry cash. And I'm like, no, I always have cash. So I want my brain to see there's abundance everywhere. I see I love that. It. And I absolutely, I think my favorite takeaway from this entire interview is what you said. If it's not normal, it's a lion. Because yeah. there is so much... And I'm going to say work that we get to do, right? Because just recognizing that opens up so many opportunities to get to that next level. Absolutely normalize it. So that way we're not causing more resistance, making it harder than it has to. And the actions and strategies we're now taking are coming from an aligned place, a clear and free place, and a place that's intended for you versus out of scarcity, fear, worry, stress, avoidance, et cetera, which again would be absolutely normal, but is that helpful? Is that useful for you? For most of us, it's not. Now we just got to understand a little bit why it's happening and how to now start shifting it so it doesn't keep happening that way. Yeah. Daniel, this interview has been absolutely amazing. I've got a few more things before we sign Uh, off. I have one question that I want to wait for the very end. But before we get there, I want to make sure 
that everyone listening can connect with you. So um, I know I talked about your Play Bigger podcast and Instagram. So if you can share all the stuff you have going on, where to find you, all of the wonderful things so that everyone can connect with you after this interview. I would love that. So it's my name anywhere, Dania Douglas Hunt on Instagram, on my website. The link in my bio on Instagram has a lot of fun free resources to help you tune in and tap into this stuff. There's a free resource for those who are like, how do I shift my relationship with money? Uncover your money blocks and start reprogramming them in that workshop. And then I just do do a couple one-to-ones, but the new container I'm creating is, I think it's called the paradigm shift. The name will come, but that's for really like high level entrepreneurs who are looking to scale and be surrounded by other entrepreneurs who are looking to do the deep inner work and also have the networking and masterminding collaborations and hot seats and stuff moving forward. So that's a new container I'm unfolding. Otherwise, all the freebies and other stuff are in that link in the bio on Instagram. Awesome. Well, I'm excited for that. And I will have all of the links in the show notes as well. So one final question for you. This would not be the Gratitude Builds Fortitude podcast. If I didn't ask you, how does gratitude fit into all of this? Oh. Do we have another hour? <laughs> I was going to say... The science behind gratitude is exponential. And I think until people maybe look into it or understand it, it's like, oh, it's woo-woo fluffy. No, real quick, your brain's looking for threats and survival and where we place our attention expands. And so just even if you can recognize if I can shift a thought or shift my state, everything that happens after that, your results change. So one of the things I absolutely love to do is it's called my morning mindset prime and gratitude's one aspect of that. We want to create a shift in our mind and our state. And the easiest way to tap into that is finding gratitude. But you're also showing your brain what to show you more of, right? And also now showing it like, hey, you're reprogramming and literally showing your brain, this is what I want to see more of, show me more of this. And it's not, again, I always hear these terms, gaslighting and Pollyanna. It's not that. There's a science to it. You're rewiring your brain to find you more evidence of things, to shift your state. When you're in a better state, you know what happens naturally. So so we don't talk for an hour. <laughs> Look up the science of gratitude, but it is absolutely the simplest, easiest, and effective tool to rewire your brain. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much, Dania Douglas Hunt, for being on the Gratitude Builds Fortitude podcast. You've given us so many just great wisdom and great nuggets and all things just mindset and shifting our brain. And I love it. And I know everyone is going to want to connect with you after this episode. And yeah, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And I hope you guys do. Let me know if you have questions. If you have any takeaways, I'd love to hear them. It always helps. I know you, Holly, and I, we don't do it for that, but it's great. Did, was things confusing? Did things land for you? Did it helpful? If questions, like please reach out. And my DMs on Instagram is where I'll usually find me. Other platforms, not so much. But yeah, thanks for having me. And I hope you have a great day. Make it a great day. Yeah. Play bigger, baby. Yeah, let's play bigger. And if you enjoyed this interview, which I know you did, Be sure to leave us a great review and hit those five stars if you are listening on Spotify or Apple. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Gratitude Builds Fortitude podcast, and I'll see you next week. Hey, it's Holly here. And if you've been feeling burned out, stressed out, and weighed down, and if the thought of another diet or workout plan is creating even more stress, I'd like to offer you a different solution. You see, we think that getting healthy means going on some crazy diet or restrictive protocol or even spending hours in the gym. And I'm here to tell you, it's not about losing weight. It's about losing the weight of the world on your shoulders. So rather than having you try to figure this out for yourself, I've put together a five-episode private podcast training series to help you get started with your very own comeback experience. The private podcast training series, it's totally free, and I'm doing something that I have never done before. 
In episode five, you're going to walk away with an assessment to determine your health as it relates to energy levels, sleep, metabolic health, and weight. And when you submit your assessment, you can schedule a free coaching session with me to personally review your results, and I will help you to develop your game plan going forward. Totally free, no strings attached. And I'm not sure how long I'm going to offer this complimentary and personalized coaching for you. So go to podcastholly.com. That's podcastholly.com to download this series. It's totally free. And then make sure you submit your assessment for your complimentary and personalized health review and game plan. I'll see you over at podcastholly.com.